Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Thursday, July 8th, 2021. I'm Andrew Hansen, alongside Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach. And here we go for Game 2, Coach. Thursday night, 9 o'clock. Phoenix comes out with a big win, despite Giannis at that last minute being ruled into the starting lineup. Amazing. It was, you know, I don't know if I was more uh, amazed at the fact that, that Giannis played or did he, that he played 35 minutes and seemed uninhibited. I, I mean, it was, I, I really would have thought the chances of that were one in a hundred at best. So man, that that was incredible. They did a great job keeping that under wraps that he was going to be playing and slowly adjusting the news to doubtful, questionable game time decision. Yeah. And then, you know, in the pregame, you got to just gather up as much information as you can. So we saw the the brief clips of him warming up. And yeah, he looked th- thanks just, from Malika Andrews from ESPN. <laughs> yeah, he looked just mobile enough where we put him into our GPP lineup, and that one did really well. Top yes. a couple percent. Uh, made a nice profit there, but he didn't make our cash lineups. We just weren't comfortable with it. Uh, but now that we've seen it, uh, things will probably be a little bit different here today for game two. So we're going to work through that on FanDuel and DraftKings, try to help everybody uh, build some winners tonight. Uh, Coach, you ready to get started? I am. And you, we don't even have to stress about the honest thing. He's not even on the injury report. How about that? Can can you imagine if it was the Lakers and AD or LeBron and stuff? <laughs> I mean, first of all, they wouldn't have played, or at least AD wouldn't have played. But right. you know they would have at least been listed on the injury report. So I, I'm going to look at this game the opposite of the way we looked at the last game. And I can't believe it, but he, I mean, the guy might play 40 minutes, you know? Yeah, he, he very well might. Uh, he is officially the Greek freak now after this return yes. from injury. So this took him to the next, you know, alien alien abduction and replaced with Giannis is what it is. Incredible. So. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad to see him out there. I'm not, I mean, I'm not a fan oh, really, of either of these teams or against them. I mean, I appreciate their, their skill. Right. I enjoy watching both teams, but um, you know, he's just an easy guy to root for, and you want these guys to be healthy and out there. So definitely oh, it, excited about that. It would have been a that. little bit more of a shallow victory for Phoenix if they would have won the series and he didn't play. So Absolutely. that's what makes this, you know, it's going to have to be earned, and the champion will, you know, really be the champion, no excuses. Excellent. Well, let's get started on the Milwaukee side, and okay. I'll take the first crack at some of these guys. Um the thing for Milwaukee here is they lost by 13 points. Right. And I'm a little concerned if I'm in that locker room, if I'm in that building, because they shot 44% on three-pointers. They went 16 of 36. And you figure, I mean, that was the big weakness coming in. They'd shot only 31 to 32% from three right. during this postseason. So you figure, all right, we, we shoot better from three. We're probably going to win, or at least it's going to be a nip-and-tuck game. But they were 9 for 16 on free throws. Thanks in large part to Giannis going seven of for course. twelve. One, two, yeah, three. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Phoenix twenty-five of twenty-six at the line. That's uh, that's something. They were terrific. And then Phoenix won the turnover battle. And so Milwaukee, you know, they just really have to sharpen up here. They got to take better care of the ball. Yeah. Um, and and try to get easier baskets here. So yeah. Let's yeah. start with, with Giannis and Middleton, the, the two big guys here who, who led the way. And they are they are the targets for me again here. 
like you said, okay. Giannis played 35 minutes. I would think he would be 36 to 38. You know, maybe he even gets close to 40. But right. if he played 35 minutes in game one, I don't see any reason why he'd play, you know, anything less. Middleton, how about this? He played 45 minutes. I know it. And he was awesome. You know, 12 of 26. He hit five threes. And uh, again, they, they've got to be concerned that they didn't keep it closer with him shooting that well, you know, f- hitting five threes. So, yeah. you know, I'd like to get, if I could, you know, these are, these are my two targets. I'd like to get them in my lineups. Um, but you obviously have to make sacrifices if you do. With the other starters for Milwaukee, uh, the thing that jumped out at me, Coach, was that Lopez only played 23 minutes yeah. despite being very effective offensively. 7 of 14 from the field, 3 of 5 from distance, 17 and 6. Uh, and, and his price is still pretty significant, 11500 You know, what mm-hmm. happened was he just didn't quite do enough defensively against Chris Paul in that pick-and-roll offense. And I think Coach Bud and company went a little smaller in the second half. Um, you know, they had that one shot of Lopez sitting on the bench late, and it's, you know, he's sitting over there just like, man... I wish I was out there, but um, sometimes the matchups dictate that. So um, they do, and and I'll tell you that the only way sometimes you can stop a pick and roll from being so effective, and all the coaches know it, and that's why Phoenix has continued to play the other team's big man off the floor, is you just have to put somebody more athletic in there. And if you know there there are times uh, you know that they put. Corey Craig in and guys that could jump it, strip it, uh, you know, played a little bit better defensively. But you know what's funny, Andrew? It you know I coach basketball. I remember going, sitting, being the ball boy for my dad when he coached when I was real small, all the way up until now. My whole life I've been around basketball, and no matter what level we're talking, junior high up to the NBA. When it comes to crunch time and it's time to win a championship, whether it be NBA, state championship, city championship, whatever, it always comes down to the same things, and it's the same things we're talking about. You have to play great defense, and, and these things have never changed over all these years. And there, you put your best guys on the floor that can defend. You have to play offensively efficient basketball and just take good shots, and you have to protect the ball and not turn it over. It's the same principles that have led to championship basketball at all levels, and that's exactly what we're looking at here. If if the Bucks can't find a way to get more pressure on Phoenix, and I know Paul doesn't turn it over much, but they can get turnovers from other guys, and if they can't adjust and, and really defend the pick and roll well, um, then they're going to have trouble because you made the best point. Milwaukee shot the ball well enough to win this game. It wasn't really close at the end. So that that tells me one thing. It's not the offensive side that Milwaukee has to adjust. It's the defensive side. So, you know, everyone's had trouble guarding Phoenix because of Booker, Paul, and Aiton specifically. And that's going to be the challenge, I think, for the Bucks here. And the reason I want to jump in at this point is I think it may affect Lopez's minutes. I think you're going to see, you know, some different combinations. You know, whether that athletic guy is Connington or on the other side, Tory Craig. You know what I'm saying? It's both teams are going to have to utilize 
uh, more dimensional players that can play in the paint, outside the paint, defend the pick and roll. And you can't always go to, you know, your bigs to get that done. So I just thought that was an interesting point. I think that's going to be the key for the Bucks. I mean, the bottom line is Phoenix is, is one of the best three free throw shooting teams in the league. So the only thing you can do to combat that, don't foul as much. Right. So that's one thing they'll talk about. And Milwaukee, because of Giannis, they're not a good free throw shooting team. So they have to shoot as well as they did in this last game or even better because there's less room for error. So I just wanted to bring that up because it's it's funny. We break these games down and we, we broke them down through the playoffs. And if you've noticed, every round further in the playoffs, it ends up coming down to like it does every year. Who's going to defend? Who's going to protect the ball? And who's going to get better shots at a higher percentage? And you got to make free throws down the stretch. And, you know, that is one giant edge that Phoenix has here that I'm not sure Milwaukee can overcome. I agree. It's a major challenge. And, and I also agree it is a cat and mouse game here with these rotations, the matchups. And it's going to uh, domino effect to both sides if Lopez plays less for defensive purposes and they get Connaughton and Portis in there more than what does Phoenix do? Um, and we'll get to their bench here in a bit, but maybe they yeah. don't use Kaminsky as much with Saric out. Maybe they get more Cam Johnson, Torrey Craig. So um, that's going to be key, you know, at those big positions. What right. is Milwaukee doing to, to defend the pick and roll? What is Phoenix doing to defend Mr. Giannis? So, uh, <laughs> exactly. With the other starters for Milwaukee here, Drew Holiday and Tucker, you know, Drew took a bit of a back seat offensively, didn't get as many shots. He did flirt right. with a triple-double, um, 0 for 4 on threes. Um, so he, he's still in play, but I, I'd rather pay up for Middleton and Giannis. And sure. then Tucker, uh, you know, you like the 33 minutes. He's involved across the board, solid. Um, but the price tag is going to dictate things for me with him, depending on the site. On DraftKings forty six hundred, I don't like him as much. FanDuel seventy five hundred, he can make some, some things work. Definitely, uh, it's a nice price for him. And then with the bench guys, uh, Connaughton did lead the crew in minutes, as we predicted, twenty eight. Uh, he's a solid option on both sites in my book. Portis would be the next guy you look at, but on FanDuel he's ninety five hundred still, still right. with that. Uh, leftover price bump from the series before with with Giannis being out so that's a little steep but I I do I do think you can consider him on DraftKings at 3200 he only got 14 minutes but he was solid while he was out there Uh, I would think something similar 14 to 18 minutes here and then Teague and Forbes um, 10 and 12 minutes respectively Forbes really only out there to shoot threes he did hit a couple Teague 10 minutes a one for one on his threes, um, cheaper than Forbes. You know, you could look at him in a GPP, uh, but you can't expect too much from him. So, yes. you know, not not looking at him as a cash option. What are your thoughts here on on the Bucks and and who you want to roster tonight? Well, let's let's mention this right square in the middle here because uh, the line from Vegas. Let's see if that gives us a little indication of what Vegas is thinking because. One thing I will say, I'm a little disappointed with DraftKings, FanDuel, and Yahoo, all three of them. I don't think they've done the best job adjusting the prices based on the situation 
as these series have gone on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like they get out of one series, like, for example, Giannis was out, Portis was a key figure, you know, he his price went way up. That's fine. That's They needed to do that, but they didn't react to it quick enough. So everybody had Portis's chalk when he was getting the big minutes. Now that he's back to his role backing up Giannis and not playing much minutes, it's going to take them probably a couple games to get him back down to where he should be. And that's that's a deterrent because it somewhat forces your hand in some of these situations when you're building a roster. So I'm a little, you know, you got to watch that because each site's different. But the one thing I can say that's consistent is I just don't think, I mean, it's one stinking NBA game you know, critique it better and make those prices more realistic. And I, I don't think they've done a great job at it, but you know, it, and and the only reason it upsets me is it, it affects your build when you feel that you have an edge somewhere and the pricing hasn't adjusted, but it is what it is. So Vegas has it Phoenix minus five and it's up to two twenty. So there's a couple of things that tells me what, uh, do you remember what the line was for the first game? That I think it, went it, had, off? it had gotten up to Phoenix minus six and right. 216 it, or 217. Yeah. So it was Phoenix. And that's what I found to be interesting here. I think obviously the Giannis effect uh, has a little bit of an impact here, but I'm surprised that it doesn't have more of an impact. So, you know, it was six and 216 when I saw it initially the first game. So it's down to five. They only gained one point by now having Giannis full tilt. And Vegas made those lines not knowing what was going on with Giannis. And it only went up from 216 to 220, which obviously Giannis affects that number dramatically. I was thinking it would be more like four and 222. So I say that to say that I think Vegas sees that Milwaukee's going to get a bump from uh, from Giannis playing, but it looks like Vegas is trying to protect against too much play on Phoenix. Like, I think they're thinking the momentum, everybody's watching, they're playing great, and the money's going to all you know pile in on Phoenix regardless of Giannis. And that surprises me because... Giannis is a two-time MVP. Granted, he can't shoot foul shots, but the dude is unbelievable. And I'm, you know, I think Milwaukee has a great chance in this game. I think it stays a little bit closer than, I mean, five's not bad, but I think it's like down of the wire kind of game. And I don't think the reaction to Giannis playing full minutes has really been seen enough. So the reason I want to start with that is, you know, it's definitely going to push me to want to have a little bit more Milwaukee build than jamming in all the Phoenix guys. Like we were all trying to get in two of the three between Booker, Aiton, and and uh, Paul. And now it may shift a little bit where somebody's going to, two of those guys may sit if we're going to build with a Giannis Middleton kind of group. So I wanted to mention that because I think it changes. It's just this conversation is so different than we did for game one when we counted Giannis out because we it's the domino effect of everything else that it affects on the floor. Right. So then let's let's discuss this, too, because I want our listeners and members to to crunch this a little bit. You and I talked about this because we always break it down by what are the matchups are uh, what the matchups we believe are going to be. And how that's going to affect things. So let's let's bounce back and forth on that, and then I'll 
finish up by giving my Milwaukee take here. But we're anticipating that at the beginning uh, that Holiday's going to guard Booker. Uh, that's how they started out. Tucker on Paul. And again, we'll see if that shifts. Um, and then Middleton and Bridges, which we projected. Um, the difference was, I, I was surprised that they the, they put Aiton on Giannis. I did not see that coming. And I, I think that what Monty's trying to do there is somehow, some way, at least affect Giannis with length. Because you can't beat him to the basket, but if it's a crowder, you know, that he's got all that size on, he's just going to dunk over him every time. Whereas, you know, Aiton is a, he's 7-1 and super long and athletic. So I think that's a great strategy. But my concern is, in, you know, if you want to roster Aiton, which I'm considering, does he get in foul trouble guarding Giannis? Is it going to affect his overall game? And that's what we're going to have to talk about. And then uh, Crowder had guarded Lopez. And then we, you know, we also discussed Connaughton cut into some of those minutes uh, where they went smaller. And then that caused uh, a reaction as well. So those aren't in concrete. But I think what it, it does tell you is what we thought and we predicted. Middleton was my captain last game. Bridges is a good young defender, but he's not. He, he can't stop the big, big dogs like Middleton. And if he gets on a run like he did, I think it was in the third quarter, uh, he's unstoppable. So I, I don't think they quite have an answer for him. And Bridges is probably the only direction they can go. So I love that right there. Uh, the question I have for you, and it affects the way I break this Milwaukee game down, is what do you think about the Aiton on Giannis? And will it hold Giannis back enough? Do you think they stick with that? Because that's my ultimate decision I have to make is, you know, with Giannis there and what position as far as captain or one of the three uh, 1.5, 1.2x spots too. Yeah, I think that Phoenix will stick with that and start Aiden on Giannis. I think it was effective for the reasons you mentioned, and you can also see it in the final box score. He only took 11 shots. That's incredible. And yes, he got to the line a bunch. So you add a few, you know, quote unquote, field goal attempts there. But I think his size and length toughness bothered Giannis enough, dissuaded him a a couple more times than usual from from shooting. I agree. And forced him to pass. And and, and Aiton has done a great job staying out of foul trouble through these playoffs. So I think Phoenix sticks with it. Uh, and I think you can still go with Aiton and not worry too much about the foul trouble. But does it affect you enough that there's the possibility you could fade Giannis? I am I am having a hard time envisioning fading Giannis here in Game 2 after what he did in Game 1. I think yeah. he'll find a way to get a couple more shot attempts, um, whether it's in transition. Um, I just, you know, for him to, to put up over 50 fantasy points with that injury history uh, and, and down Incredible. 1-0 here. Like you said, I think Milwaukee's going to come out and play better, play tougher, keep it close. And I think Giannis will be at the front of the charge there. You know, and and here's the thing. Just, just think this. He took 11 shots. And now, is that strictly because of eight? And I agree with you. I think it is. I don't think it was the fact that he was coming back from an injury because he looked fine. I, I think Aiton did bother him. 
Now, the question is, is he going to bother him enough at the price tag he is, you know, to keep him within reason? Because he did have 17 rebounds, four assists, two steals, and a block. So he got all those. A big block. A crazy block. Oh, a LeBron chase down down block. Phenomenal. It was incredible. Uh, But, you know, that's really the million-dollar question. Because here's what's amazing, too. Middleton took 26 shots. Uh, Brooke Lopez, 14. Holiday, 14. All the way back to Giannis at 11. So that's what I want to see. If if Giannis gets 20 shots up, then, I mean, he, he almost has to be your captain. I mean, if you, in the optimal, I would think. Because yeah. a lot of those other periphery stats, you know, are going to be there. So yeah. that that's really the million-dollar question to me. I agree. You can't fade Giannis. But do you put him in this showdown world that we're in at the top or the second spot based on the fact that maybe Aiton can reduce some of his shot attempts and bother some of those finishes? Yeah, a couple, one, one more follow-up point there. Um, first of all, in terms of the strategy and the, the game, the matchup, you did see a couple of those Giannis dunks were when Aiton was not in the picture. He, he mm-hmm. had one where he was on the left block against Crowder, and he just went around him and hammered it with the left left freak move. And then yeah. that one that one possession where Giannis was in the paint, and for some reason there was a miscommunication, and the Suns all went out to the perimeter and left him wide open for an easy dunk. So, I mean, Aiton really, he didn't do much against Aiton. And then in terms of the, the strategy for the build, you know, I think you still, for me, he's still the leader in the clubhouse to be the uh, MVP on FanDuel. But on DraftKings, I'm I'm leaning towards not putting him at that captain spot because I okay. don't see this as an 80-point fantasy night for Giannis, which is what you want if you want to put the most expensive guy you yep. know, at the top. So that, that's how I'm looking at it right now for strategy on, on the build. One last point on Giannis that could come into play. When they're on the road, like this, they are here with the Phoenix, and the counting definitely bothers them. There's no doubt about it. Yep. So do they go hack a Giannis at some point now that, you know, I mean, that's another thing. I'm Monty Smart. What I would do, honest to God, I would go, I would take Frank Kaminsky. I'd put him in the game. I'd say, Frank, you're going to get a five-minute run. I want you to foul Giannis at least three times in this five minutes and put him at the line. And then let the crowd scream their numbers. And Giannis, you know, he may shoot an air ball. It gets in his head. I think that's a great strategy. And he, I know he went 7 for 12, 58%, which is the best he's shot in a long time. But that's still not that good. And the question is, when he catches the ball six, seven feet from the basket and you have to defend him, do you feel better stopping him from scoring or just fouling him there? Yeah, I, mean, I like it's a great point, and we didn't see it because it wasn't no, close enough down the stretch. It, so, but I think that yeah. if if it gets into that third quarter and it is they're up two, down two, all of that, or maybe Milwaukee takes the lead, I I think that's a strategy that you have to consider. Now, it may not work in Milwaukee, but it should work in Phoenix. So, just something to throw out there because that's a little disparaging. If I mean, if you have Giannis and you spend all that and you put him in the captain. And you're looking to have a you know big second half, and all of a sudden he's got to shoot 20 foul shots, you know, instead of getting offensive rebounds, putting it back up and dunking and all that. That that's a concern. Yeah, the funny thing is, it you know, 
how close is it at what point in the game and when do they start that if they do? Do they start it in the third? Do they save it for the fourth? Because he may end up shooting 20 free throws or more. And then, you know, even if he's only shooting 55 to 60 percent, he'll, he'll get a few extra points. Right. Uh, so it's it's kind of a balancing act. It's it's a two-edged sword. It yep. can go either direction. You know, like Simmons in that one round. You know, right. we, we felt that way, so we wanted to fade him. They they made him shoot twenty-four foul shots, mm-hmm. but he he did make like ten of them, eleven of them. That's three points, even right. though it's a bad percentage. So it's I mean, this is no slam dunk of fin, you know figuring out who to play. I can tell you this though, and just to wrap up Milwaukee. <clears throat> PJ Tucker at his price on FanDuel, I think, is a good play. He's too cheap for somebody that's going to play 35 minutes. Giannis is the decision. Where do you put him? Lopez, I'm not going to risk it because his price hasn't come down enough, and they're going to play him off the floor for some of those minutes. Middleton's at 100% of my lineups. He's he's the go-to guy, even though they have Giannis. He's going to get the most big shots, and he's great from the foul line. Holiday is is the guy that's going to be the odd man out for me. And the last time I said that, and he was the odd man out, he went bananas. So mm-hmm. I'm scared to eliminate him, but I just don't see at his salary how you can make all this work. It's impossible. Um, and then as far as the bench goes, yeah, I hate to say it, but I'm really thinking about Pat Connaughton. I mean, the way that this series defensively is matching up, I sort of like Pat, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I like him better than Portis at this moment because, I mean, I love Portis's game. I just don't know if he's going to get enough burn to put up decent numbers. So really the only bench guy I'm looking at is Connaughton, and that, that would wrap it up for me with Milwaukee. Excellent. Well, before we get started on your Phoenix take, uh, let's invite folks in to join us today. If you'd like, we'll give our full lineups tonight on FanDuel and Yahoo to our members, and then we'll give the core for DraftKings for the cash build and the GPP build. Uh, If you want to sign up, go to DFSCoachTalk.com, grab whichever length of time you want for your membership, three-day, a week. Uh, Go for the two-month package. Um, Whichever one you get, you'll have access to all of our sports. So you're going to get our baseball lineups as well. We've got those going seven days a week. Golf lineups twice a week. And then football when that starts. So DFSCoachTalk.com, sign up there. We will invite you into our Discord with an email. Uh, So sign up this afternoon, and then we'll get you in for the baseball lineups uh, well ahead of the basketball lineups tonight. And I'll tell you what, baseball's a riot, man. We uh, started watching baseball yesterday at 11.15 in the morning. Had all our baseball. You know, we did an early slate, a main slate, and then... It was 1.30 in the morning, and I'm in central time, and I'm watching the finish uh, of the San Diego game. To We had a great some great uh, uh, late-night slates that really paid off for us, but I'm in there. So, uh, in other words, 14 hours straight of baseball yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to love it, man. And DFS has all kinds of slates. You get all of our coverage. We have a great team. Uh, Josh Crash Davis is... Uh, the head of the baseball side of things, and uh, we're we're doing very well. And again, that's one difference here at Coach Talk is you don't just get the sport uh, that you you know if it's the the basketball playoff package or whatever. You still get our golf, basketball, football, and baseball. You're always going to get everything that we put out. So definitely join us for that. And if you're watching this on YouTube, 
re- really appreciate all the thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button. We've re- reached one goal. We're, we're now after chasing after another one. And the most important thing is hit the alert button too, because then as these podcasts comes come out at different times, uh, you're going to be able to catch them. And a quick preview, Andrew, and I know you know about this because we've been planning it, but not only are you going to get these basketball podcast for the NBA, but you're going to get one for every Olympic slate, every NBA uh, summer league slate. And those are all covered by DraftKings and FanDuel and and some by Yahoo. So we'll be all over those and definitely uh, we'll be adding some MLB short pods. So that more news to come out on that, but we're going to start highlighting some guys on here uh, for your baseball builds each day. So that's going to happen Uh, right when uh, the NBA finishes up here in the next 10 days. So lots to look forward to. But the reason I I wanted to say all that now is hit the subscribe, hit that thumbs up. And if you hit the alert button, then when we start adding in the baseball and all the different uh, podcasts that are going to be posting, they're going to come out at different times. You won't miss them or have to uh, search for them. They'll give you an alert right on your phone. So that's it, man. I'm excited. All right, well, take us through the Phoenix side here. Are they going to go up 2-0? How are they going to do it? What are you looking for? Well, I think this, uh, like I said before, I think this game is going to be a down-to-the-buzzer kind of game. I, I don't think that Phoenix handles them as as easily as they did in game one. I know both teams will have adjustments, and matchups will be adjusted a little bit. Um, I do like the Aiton on Giannis matchup. I think that gives Phoenix uh, a leg up, but... Uh, you know, I I think you got to look at some of the shooting percentages here. You know, too. There there were some guys that shot the ball well for Phoenix, uh, which you know, there's always a chance for regression. Like Paul, twelve for nineteen. But the scary part for the Bucks is, you know, Bridges five for thirteen, Crowder a big goose, zero for eight. And then you know you had guys like that that just didn't shoot the percentage you'd expect. Now, you did have that nice little bust that we expected for Payne. He, you know, jumps in there and scores 10 points in 16, almost 17 minutes. And then Cam Johnson, what a what a lift he was uh, all over the place, rebounding defensively, played almost 21 minutes. He scored 10 points, but he also added three rebounds, two assists. He really cemented, you know, his role, I think, in this playoffs. And then Torrey Craig does what Torrey Craig does. He comes in, he may hit a three or not. You know, he just, he was one for two from the field, but you know, his defense, his hustle, you know, his jumping on the boards. I mean, he's a nice, he's a perfect guy you want to bring off the bench because he's not going to chuck and duck a bunch of shots, but he's going to affect the game in the ways, you know, that you need a player like that to affect the game. So I think Phoenix definitely deserves to be favored here. I think it'll be a closer game, <clears throat> but I, I think you're going to see some things shift around. Um, you know, I'll, I'll start with a couple of guys here. Let, let's start backwards with the bench, since I just mentioned him. I think Cam Johnson is going to get a lot of play because of his price. He's not dead chalk cheap, so it's going to it's still not a slam dunk because. You know, maybe this last game was a bit of a ceiling for him. We don't know, but he sure looked poised. And, you know, I think that he's a guy you have to consider as one of your cheaper plays. 
I'm still not going Craig as much as I like him. Just think that the floor is too low. We know Saric is out. So that like 10 minutes or so is going to be dispersed to some people. Who's it going to be? Go to it could mean two or three extra minutes for Aiton. Could be two or three minutes for Cam or Tory Craig. I don't think Kaminsky's really going to absorb that. If he gets in at all, maybe five minutes for him and maybe, you know, just to hack a Giannis or something. So I don't think any of those guys are really playable. I think the only two bench guys you can consider are Cam Johnson or Cam Payne. Because if anything happens at all with Paul, some fouls, you know, a little tweak or something, Payne is, when he absorbs those minutes, he's insta-DFS points. I mean, he does a fantastic job as a little guard getting DFS points per minute. You only usually see that with big guys, but he gets it done. So from the bench, those are the only two guys I would consider at all. What what do you think about the the bench for Phoenix? Well, I think Cam Johnson is my favorite target as well. Uh, He was in that GPP lineup for us, and he's still 8,500 on on FanDuel, which is fair. He's the only guy, to your point earlier, He's the only guy that's been significantly adjusted on either site, and it's DraftKings. He went from 2,800 to 6,000. So DraftKings noticed what he did. Right. Um, FanDuel, you know, he was already up there a, a fair bit. So he's, you know, still playable on FanDuel. That's a tough price on, on DraftKings uh, at 6,000. You've got Bridges right there next to him. Um, so I'm looking at him more on FanDuel. Um, campaign, um, probably the reverse for me. He's too expensive on FanDuel at 10,000, 3,800 on DraftKings. You could go there. Um, and then Craig, I, I agree, has a very low floor. Uh, he's obviously cheaper than those other guys. Uh, Kaminsky is the one difference. I do think he has a ceiling of more like 10 minutes. Um, but he could also just get a couple or, or not even play. And they go more with Johnson and Craig, like you said. But I, you know, I think they could give him, uh, you know, Aiton's backup minutes, and he gets eight to ten. Especially if they're going to hack a, a Giannis, he he's the perfect candidate to do it. Um, so he's he's the uh, the X factor there with the minutes. I could give you the business here just for our listeners that have been with us for like two years. The the question I have for you, Andrew is Frank Kaminsky, the new Wenyan Gabriel. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And I say a, that a, lovingly because I've had just as blanks picks, but I just want to say that for our old listeners because they'll get that joke. Yeah, they will. I mean, that's a that's a different story, you know. Gabriel was he was slotted for more minutes that day, but he got in foul trouble, showed his youth and you know, he just didn't didn't You're look still strong. backpedaling on him two years later. <laughs> Absolutely. And and now after you saw him in person he won you I over did. with his talent, didn't he? That was fantastic. When I got to take a picture of him and send it to you, yeah. Oh man, I Good yelled, time. "Andrew's your biggest fan!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just wait five years; he'll be out there, um, and people will love him in DFS when he's getting t- at least twenty minutes a game. There you go. He will come back to roost at yeah. some point. But as far as you know, the rest of the squad—I mean, it, I was really surprised, and I. Missed the matchup that I expected. I thought Tucker would guard Booker and Holiday would would go mano and mano with Paul. But they put Holiday in Booker and Booker went eight for 21 because Holiday's a phenomenal uh, 
perimeter defender, period. You know, all NBA uh, type of defender. So if Holiday stays on Booker and Tucker stays on Paul, then I, I like Paul a little bit better than Booker. And that hurts me to say because I was thinking Booker could have a bust-out game, but obviously uh, Coach was thinking the same thing. You know, Coach Bud said, nah, no, we're going to try to hold Booker down and uh, and see what we can do helping out with Paul. So that's the big thing. I mean, if we're going to play Giannis and Middleton, I, you can't play Booker and Paul. I mean, I don't know how you do that unless you're going to play you know, Kaminsky and Javon Carter or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, s- something's got to give. Uh, and I'm going to be reading and watching. I just want to make sure that that matchup isn't going to change. Because Paul did scorch, scorch uh, Tucker, 12 for 19, 32 points, four threes. I mean, they don't particularly want Paul to beat him single-handedly either. So will they switch that is what I need to find out. Because... I want to fade which one of them holidays guarding, and it's that simple for me. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it's a tough uh, it's a tough analysis because again, the reason I liked Chris Paul more because he has the ball in his hands, he's been so good with the pick and roll. Um, it, it's it's almost doesn't matter to me quite as much who starts on him. Um, because if they do set a good pick, then he gets free, and it's it's the big who's guarding him. It's Lopez, or if they go smaller, then we'll have some Portis. It could be Connaughton. And they did mix it up a little bit. It wasn't like Tucker was on him every single possession. Right, right. Um, and so, you know, bottom line is it, it almost comes down to me more is just is Paul as efficient? Does he shoot it as well? He was awesome. Does he go four for seven on threes? Maybe not. Um now, this might be the first time, you know, I've been riding him hard that I, I take a bit of a step back and have a, a, a few more lineups where I don't play him. And, okay. you know, if you go with Middleton instead of him and you go Middleton and Giannis, then he, you know, Middleton is cheaper than Chris Paul on both sites. So that helps a little bit. Um, and that that's what I'm kind of playing around with. I, I still like Chris Paul here. He is, but he is still very expensive, and I don't know if he'll go twelve for nineteen again. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if he does because he's on such a heater. Yeah. But I'm playing around with you know making a couple adjustments and and maybe playing for a bit of regression from him. Interesting. That's shocking. Um, I'll tell you the other thing that I you know I, I've talked about it on just about every show because it's the stat that just blows my mind every game is that, you know, Paul never turns it over. But this was interesting. He only had two, which sounds like, wow, great game. But for Chris Paul to have two turnovers, that's like, you know, sloppy basketball for him. <laughs> and the funny thing is, though, if you remember, he had two or three balls that were tipped because Milwaukee's so long, they get a hand on everything. They're so frustrating to, uh, with Middleton and Tucker and, and Holiday. Those guys just get a hand on everything. So there were two or three that, were deflected that they were very lucky to not end up in a turnover. So he could have had easily four or five turnovers, which I don't know the last time he's done that, but it's a long time. And that makes me interested too, because Paul smashes all the time because he's got 11 assists and no turnovers. And, you know, you just, you start pounding all those extra DFS points, but all of a sudden if he has seven assists and four turnovers, you lose a lot of that periphery, smash that you get so 
I am so torn, man. I, I am really torn between Booker and Paul. It's going to be one or the other for me, and I just I need to really dig in and look at it. Uh, Crowder, you know, 0 for 8, definitely crushed some people with that game, but he did have nine rebounds. You know, he played 33 minutes. He's still a viable play for me. I don't, I don't concern myself with the 0 for 8. Crowder's like that. He'll go 0 for 8, and then the next game he'll hit 4-3. So he's, he's a possibility for value for me. Uh, the last question, and this is the most important question to me, is based on the way DeAndre Ayton is playing, 8 for 10 from the field, made all six of his free throws, 19 stinking rebounds. I mean, can you fade him? I don't I don't think you can. I don't want to. It's funny, you know, we we weren't really on the same page on Paul and Burker Burker in game 1, but the one thing we agreed on was Aiton. He was in all of our lineups. Yeah. And with his price staying where it is, uh he's probably going to be in almost all my lineups again. Yeah, me too. I think they should have raised his price. I yep. mean, he's this matchup suits him and uh I mean, he's he's made a the play that I was just amazed at is he comes streaking down the floor like a little six-foot guard. They give him the ball like a, outside the foul line. Yep. He catches it on a dead sprint and two uh, no, didn't put it on the ground. Right. Two-step, finishes it at the you know like a little shifty point guard. And the guy's 7'1", 280. It's I almost, mean, it's incredible. It Giannis-like. Yes, The way he finished with no dribbles. Very yep. athletic. Tremendous finish. For a guy that big, it's it's wild because he's a lot thicker than Giannis, you know. Right. So that's impressive. But I'm with you. I, I'm with him too. So yeah, I mean, we're on the same page with some guys. There's there's tough decisions though. Yeah. Because there's no question you're probably gonna have to, you know, swallow hard and and bench two of the guys of these huge six, five or six guys that just aren't you're not gonna be able to fit in. So Man, is it's going to be intense, uh, and I may have two or three lineups. You know me; I, I like to ride and die with one lineup, or ride and win. I should say either way. <laughs> right. um, but I think you got to go two or three because there's got to be a few where you know you you rotate either Paul or or Booker, or maybe you just take eight and out of one of them because maybe he gets in a little foul trouble with Giannis. I mean, you got to have a few outs. Uh, I think with this showdown slate because again you can't make any mistakes or you're sunk so it's gonna be phenomenal though i can't wait i'm really looking forward to game two knowing that Giannis is starting and both these teams are going to go at it hard because this is a very pivotal game milwaukee knows they really need this um and phoenix is looking to just continue chugging down the tracks uh, i'm fired up i can't wait it's gonna be a hell of a series i really now that Giannis is playing I believe this is a six, maybe seven game series. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you all for tuning in. Uh, let us know if you have any questions on Twitter at DFS Coach Talk. You can also follow the coach at J O E S A R V A D I. You can find me at Language Olympic. Uh, do subscribe to that YouTube channel, please, if you haven't already. And we'll continue bringing these podcasts to you every time there's NBA. Uh, we'll do that in front of the paywall. And we're going to be back again tomorrow for the Game 3 preview. So I uh, look forward to joining you for that. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in. On behalf of the coach and the rest of the DFS Coach Talk team, I'm Andrew Hansen. We'll see you tomorrow as we look to crush it in DFS.